The 14th Annual Inland Northwest Motorcycle Show and Sale is March 10th through 12th at the Spokane Fairgrounds. Incredible show pricing on hundreds of motorcycles and accessories. New this year, an indoor swap meet. Enjoy the Budweiser Biker Bar, Law Shark Poker Run, and more. The amazing one-wheel revolution stunt team performs daily. Plus, get free body painting courtesy of your local Toyota dealers. The 14th Annual Inland Northwest Motorcycle Show and Sale, March 10th through 12th, indoors at the Spokane Fairgrounds, where parking is free. Hello, this is Bill Cameron from Skagit Power Sports. Welcome to the Sound Rider Show. And now live from the Crow's Nest Studio in beautiful downtown Broadview, Washington, join us for the latest episode of the Sound Rider Show, a candid hour featuring the people, places, and things that make up the fabric of one of the top motorcycle riding destinations in the world. And now here are your hosts, Tom Marin, Derek Roberts, and whoever else happens to drop by today. Fellow riders, welcome to another episode of the Sound Rider Show as we march into the official motorcycling season on this March episode. You know, we've got still a lot of great things that are going on in the world of motorcycling, especially here in the Pacific Northwest. And Tom and I have done our best to pull it together and to give you another fun, fact-filled episode here in uh, this initial spring Time episode. So, Tom, how are you doing this week? I'm doing okay. Good deal. So, what's uh, what's on your mind in regards to motorcycling? Oh, I gotta get the bikes ready. Yeah, it's that time, isn't it? It's time, and uh, I'm I'm itching. I'm yeah. itching to get out. So, uh, they say that the uh, this summer is going to be kind of a mild summer in Seattle, and then we're going to head into El Nino in the fall. That's what the uh, you know I was looking at the computer models sure. yesterday. The yeah, well, what's the uh, what's the definition of a mild summer? Is that like seventies or? Well, I think a mild summer is where you're sitting on the side of the road waiting for them to flag you through on the road construction because yeah. the winter was so nasty. That's true. But you're not you're not overheating in your gear. Okay, well that's, that's a mild summer. <laughs> That's the positive, at least the not overheating in your gear. But, you know, you're right. I hadn't thought about that too much. It has been a pretty cold winter for us around here, so the roads are... Oh, the roads are a mess. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, uh, we're at a point right now I can't even route one of the uh, tours this year because I have no idea what Mother Nature has in store for us, and sure. I may end up canceling it. So well, is that just because of uh, the general weather conditions? I mean, are we looking at forest fires or anything like that? Or Well, forest fires are another problem that we deal with yeah. and get around every time. But uh, I don't see a forest fire problem in our future. What I see is roads that basically don't exist in right. our future. So this is a good uh, dual sport year is what you're telling me. Uh, well, no, because I don't even know if some of the roads are accessible for dual sport. Well, that's what I'm saying. A little pioneer spirit, pack your axe, and get out there and start blazing your own trail. It's going to be an interesting one, <laughs> that's for sure. Hey, but I'll tell you what, you know, I get, um, I get a lot of newsletters from yeah. local clubs and stuff, and I, and I got a newsletter from a club the other day. And I'm not going to name the club, and I'm not going to name the author. Sure. If, if anybody wants to know the specifics of this article, they should uh, get on our Facebook page and request it. Right. But uh, this person has written an article. Uh, I'll tell you the name of the article. It's called Making Healthy and Hearty Meals okay. While Moto Camping. And is this the one that starts uh, Deer Penthouse Forum, or is that a different one? Uh, no, that's <laughs> a different thing. <laughs> All right, good. But, you know, uh, Making Healthy and Hearty Meals... <clears throat> While moto camping is sort of the holy grail. It's a huge challenge. And the person who authored this is sort of living in that bubble that started about 1950 and uh, is talking about using things like canned chicken, uh, canned cream of mushroom soup. Mm -mm. And when I look at the sodium levels of 850 milligrams of salt in a serving of cream of mushroom soup... yeah. I don't think we're talking about healthy meals. Uh, I don't see a lot of fiber. I don't see a lot of uh, what do we got here? Protein wise, uh, no, yeah, a little not a lot bit of protein in the canned chicken, maybe. Yeah, but. a little bit in the canned chicken, but I'm not seeing hearty in there either. I am seeing high glycemic loads. Yes, definitely. Uh, with, uh, you know things like white flour pasta and that sort of thing. So it got me to thinking. You know, we we. I'm the food guy. Mm -hmm. I'm the one who wants to eat healthy. I want to eat organic as often as possible. Sure. 
Uh, I want to eat grass-fed beef when I can. I uh, I want nice, clean protein. I want good, healthy food. Yeah. So, um, well, food that tastes good too. I mean, you're talking about canned well, chicken and cream uh, yeah. of chicken soup. Like, I'll pass on that anyway. No, thank you. Yeah. And if you're spending your life eating canned chicken and soup like that at home, you're probably not going to be doing too good in your later years. Yeah, it's going to be pretty rough on the old uh, system, I would say. So uh, I sat down, and uh, and you joined me here yep. earlier, and we came up with uh, a list of foods. And I put the challenge up. I said, we got to do a list of 10 cold foods you yeah. can take on a motorcycle trip that are healthy and hearty and nutritious for you. Right, and taste good. And then you got to come up with 10 hot foods, and we sort of ran into a wall on that, didn't we? Hot foods is a struggle, you know, because a tough one. there's a lot that goes into it. There's storage, of course. Uh, refrigeration is always a challenge when you're motorcycling, especially for a couple of days. And then there's preparation, too. I mean, outside of maybe a small backpacking stove, uh, a lot of us don't have the equipment necessary to prepare hot foods. And we have... You know, I, I use backpacking stoves when I go out, and it's kind of a pain because you got to get the heat just right. Yeah, that's always a challenge. And I'm always burning stuff to the bottom of those things. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I want a nice ceramic, a nice set of ceramic cookware. Yeah, that's uh, – well, and then, you know, you talk about more weight, bringing that with you, right? If it's like bringing a cast iron skillet, sounds Can't great, it. but it's a challenge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So so we're, we're going to go through this list here real quickly. Yeah. And then uh, what I will do is I will write up an article, or probably it's going to be a series of articles for Soundwriter. That'd be great. To uh, educate people who want to eat a little better than Campbell's cream of mushroom, uh, Swanson's chicken breast in a can. <laughs> That's good depression era eating there. Yeah. Yeah. So, so here we go. Uh, number one, obviously, fresh fruit. Right, in the cold food section, of course, here. Yeah, in the, yeah, we're in the cold food section. Yep. We're starting with that. We haven't got to, gotten to the tough one yet. But uh, fresh fruit, you, you, you get it at the grocery store. If you're not buying organic, you're going to want to wash it. Yep. Uh, and get all the wax off the apples and get all the chemicals off because they're out there spraying the, the apple orchards. And uh, so if you're not washing it off, you're going to get whatever that – whatever that well, not fertilizer, but it's uh, – Insecticide. Yep, there's some chemicals on there for It'll sure. Be ingesting that. Would so. you? Would did you have a favorite uh, fruit that you usually go to when you're traveling on your motorcycle? Apples for sure. Yep, I'm with you right there. Those seem to hold up the best. They do. Yeah, and I don't worry about them getting a little brown if they've been riding around my no. bag for a day or two. Just take the pocket knife off uh, and cut Oranges that out. Oranges are awesome. They travel really well. That's true. And they're not messy. Uh, it's pretty hard to break an orange open. You're probably not going to do that. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, they're easy to, to – I, what I do is I slice them and then I just peel back with my thumb part of the, of the slice where the, where the uh, rind is. And yep. I just peel that back, grab it with my teeth and eat it up. Yeah. And there's all that juice in there. So you get an orange juice without drinking straight orange juice. Right. Which, you know, most straight orange juice is like sugar, water, and then maybe some orange juice. In yeah. It. Just so. kind of like nature's Kool-Aid there. Uh, pears is a good one. Pears. Yeah, pears. Down, down the Hood River, you can get pears well, that's all true. year long. If you could get them fresh, don't they get, though, I mean, when they're ripe, they're pretty soft, though. Well, they got, you know, they've got it down where they can refrigerate them for months and months and months. Oh. And so they can get them to a point where they refrigerate them just before they ripen. And then when they put them on the store shelves, they ripen up. Oh, well, much better than canned, anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Grapes. Sure. Avocados. That's an interesting one, section. yeah, definitely. Uh, and this one's not a fruit. I don't think it's a vegetable either, but olives. Oh, great suggestion, yeah. So. A little can of olives will go a long way. How about uh, veggies? Veggies carrots. are, yeah, carrots would be the go-to. Baby carrots, I've done that quite a bit. Other than that, though, I mean, you're talking about, I mean, celery, but that doesn't have really a ton of nutritional value, and you still have to wash it and kind of chop it. That can be a bit of a hassle. However, it's a good way to deliver, I don't think, yeah, it's the next one on my list. Yeah. Nut butter. That's true. Almond Definitely. butter. Peanut butter without the sugar. Yep. If you can. You could buy it. Yeah, you know, and it's. Go ahead. It's a big difference. The natural peanut butter is a bit of an acquired taste. Most of us aren't used to. If you grow up on Jif or Skippy, you don't realize that that's kind of like uh, uh, that's kind of like sugar spread uh, a little at least, bit. You know, if something doesn't taste as good to you the first time you eat it, but it's better for you, yeah, keep eating it because at least when you eat it, you know you're not 
put some garbage down your mouth, and you'll acquire a taste for it just like uh, – Well, yeah. Once you start eating less sugar and your body adjusts to that, your uh, senses become a little bit heightened yeah. to sort of the natural sweetness. And I'd mentioned on peanut butter too. We talked a little bit about it before the show, but Justin's Nut Butters – it's something that I always carry with me because they come in single-serve pouches. Yep. It's a little expensive, but, man, those will travel with you anywhere, and it's super convenient. No cleanup, no knife. Like, just makes life a lot easier. And there's all kinds of Justin Nuts butter. There are. There's peanut butter. There's yep. almond butter. There's hazelnut butter. Yep. So you can get all kinds of nutrition out of those, and they're, they're you know, a breakfast, lunch, or dinner or Seriously. a snack. They're perfect. Yep. They make a, I think they make like an organic chocolate cup now too with the nut butter. Kind of like a Reese's peanut butter. Oh cup. yeah, I think I did see that. Yeah, and I know but it's New- all good I think stuff. Paul Newman has some of that stuff out there too. Uh, I put this one on the list: rice cakes. But you need to be careful and make sure you're buying whole grain brown rice that's been puffed into cakes and not just some jive. Sure. Yeah, and those travel. I mean, once they break up, it doesn't really make a big difference there, but. Calorie, the calorie density would be my concern for that. I don't think I'd waste the space packing something that has so much volume and doesn't have enough sort of nutritional density per volume. So you're saying it doesn't have enough calories for you? Yeah. Well, again, a rice cake is a great way to deliver something to your palate like, right. like a nut butter. That's true, definitely. But I'm always thinking sort of backpacker's mentality and space and weight. And obviously they don't weigh much, but a stack of rice cakes, you know, has like what, like 200 calories in it, the whole pack, and it takes up uh, a foot by maybe four inches wide or whatever of space. Yeah. Well, the, the other thing is uh, it's good to think on the backpacking level, but you also need to remember you can basically shop every day on a motorcycle That's trip. That's true. Unless you're, like, doing some kind of – you know, you got to get gas every day, so you can the most shop part. every day. Yep, unless you're – yeah, unless you're in some gnarly off-road stuff where your 200-mile tank is going to – you know, you're going 40 miles a day. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, rice cakes aren't my favorite thing. I'd probably use them once or twice during a two-week trip. Right. Also great for skeet shooting, (laughs) just in case you need to dispose of a few extras. Now, I know everybody who's listening has been thinking of this one for a long time. Why isn't he talking about beef jerky? Of course, yeah. So so let's, let's talk beef jerky. Let's talk meat sticks. Yeah. Let's talk pre cooked bacon. Yes. 100%. 100%. That's the foundation for all of my traveling food. And 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 now the listeners are going, but Tom says he wants to eat good. Why does he eat bacon? Okay, well, listen, I, I'm very judicious about my dried meats. Mm-hmm. Um, fact is that pre-cooked bacon actually has one less preservative. Normally, it has two to three in a regular bacon product. Sure. That's not organic. <clears throat> but because it's pre-cooked, they can actually take one of them out. So there's only one or two in there. Right. So, yeah, if you're, if you're measuring or if you're comparing sort of cheap bacon versus cheap bacon, then it would be probably <laughs> yeah. a little bit better. I mean, you can get some pretty high-quality bacon, but usually the pre-cooked stuff is sort yeah. of, uh, you know, not your, not your Class A stuff. Still good, though. I, I eat it all the time. I think it's delicious. And I like the um, organic bacon that's made by Applegate. Yeah, that is good stuff. And I'm I'm going to do my homework on this. I need to see if I could like pre-cook that. How many days I could hold that at room temperature without it going funky? You know, that's a great that's a great question. I think the chief uh, sort of preservative that keeps all cured meats on on the longer shelf life is sodium nitrate. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of, I think, one of the big concerns that they've had over preserved and cured meats over the last few years is that has a statistical link to some stomach cancers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So oh, yeah. in moderation. So, so the but, question is, would, would the sodium or if, oh, I, if, I, yeah. if I hit it with a little bit of potassium chloride, uh, could, I, could I create a, natural, a more natural preservative that right. way? I have to do my homework on that one. Yeah. Uh, dried fruits, yes and no. Uh, they're good up to a certain extent because they're condensed. They have a very high glycemic index on yep. them, and so if you're diabetic or whatever, you don't want to. You know, they're they're not bad for you. Up to you know maybe a tablespoon or so, because a tablespoon is like three pieces of fruit. That's true. Time. Yeah, they're still they're still good for you up to up to a point, like you said. But at the end of the day, they they have a high sugar volume because they are condensed. Yeah. So that's just something to be uh, be aware of. Cheeses. Oh, I'm with you there. All kind of cheeses you can get. Cheeses, you- cheese and cured meats. Forget about traveling. I eat that every day anyway. <laughs> uh, the softer cheeses not going to last as long, right. but you can buy the single packs of string cheese and mm-hmm. stuff like that, and they will last you several days. Oh, yeah. 
Um, you know, the worse quality you buy, then the worse stuff you're putting in your body. Um, and also hard cheeses, like a hard Parmesan Reggiano, something sure. like that. You, that that'll just, you just carry that around all week. Yeah, and a lot of that, a little of that goes a long way anyway. So. Exactly, exactly. Uh, another one you can pack around is uh, hummus. No, I never thought about that. Yeah. What's how how stable is that out of the refrigeration? No, you're not, not going to want to leave it hanging out for more than two or three days. Yeah, but it's you know it's got a lot of oil and it's got some salt in it, so it's going to hold itself for a while sure. by its on its own. Uh, chocolate. Yeah, I'm with you there. Chocolate's a good one. I love chocolate. In all kinds of in all kinds of ways, and I'm not talking about a Milky Way bar. No, <laughs> I'm talking about a nice piece of Theo's chocolate. Yes, nice, good hard, dark. Seventy to eighty-five percent cacao. Yep. The darker, the better. Uh, That's great for breakfast too. I think I've mentioned that before, but I love starting the morning off with some dark chocolate, especially on a cold morning. You don't want to take the time to prepare anything. That's a that's a nice little jump start. And you know, I, I like I like going shopping every day when I'm out on the road. Yeah, and so that means I could pick up a bag of corn chips and some salsa. Sure, and just gorge on those for the night. So uh, so that's ten cold ones right there. Right, that's a pretty good list. Let me run through a couple of the hot ones, and then we'll we'll do a little more homework on that. We'll probably come out with that article and do the hot ones. Eh, maybe part two. Yeah, uh, oatmeal, obviously. Yeah, it's easy, easy one to make. Yep. Um, you know, we were talking about cooking utensils, and so that's one that you know you could burn it to the bottom of a cheap pan easy. That's true. But I think the jet boils they got like a Teflon coating in them, don't they? Some of them do have the Teflon coating, but honestly, I mean, I wouldn't even. I'd get the instant oatmeal. Well, you could do that, but that's going to be full of junk. Uh, the other thing you do is you could maybe get a high-quality Ziploc bag yeah. and then put your oatmeal and your water in that and sort of double boil it in the jet boil. You could do that, so sure. So it's cooking in the Ziploc instead of right on the right. surface of the pan. But really, even just the plastic bowl that comes with the jet boil, I mean, I think if you just hit it with some boiling water two or three times, you should be able to get that to soften that's up. That's true. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, grains, things like, like I said, brown rice, yep. um, quinoa, what's the one you said? Or couscous. Couscous, yeah. yeah. I like to eat internationally, so. I don't know if couscous, I, I got a feeling it has a high glycemic index because I think it it's a broken down grain. It might, but it's, it's a very easy to prepare and, you know, you can hit it with some of those cured meats and maybe some veggies and you can make yourself a nice sort of backcountry stew out of it. Yeah. So. Now, I wrote this one down, and it's not something you would eat as a main course, but right. it's something you might want to use, like when you're when you're making uh, oatmeal or doing your grains. Sure. And that is, you know, you can't really carry butter with you. It's tricky. It melts in a hurry. But the better product for your body isn't butter. It's ghee. Yep. And you could carry ghee all day long. I'd keep it in the bottom of the saddlebag in case the heat gets on it. You don't want to have it yeah. turn into a liquid. But uh, if you don't know what ghee is, it's it's clarified butter, mm-hmm. and you can buy it, and it's uh, very cleanly done. So you're not going to have some, you know, if you make your own clarified butters, chances are you're not going to get all the milk fat out, and then that's going to go bad. That's an excellent point, and I'll tell you what, I know uh, I don't think I've ever done it with ghee, but with just butter, I put a little butter on that dark chocolate, and that's a hell of a meal. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, grass-fed meats, clean chicken, like an organic, free-range. Chicken, you know, a lot of these things you can buy at better supermarkets along your route. So you're going to buy it in the afternoon. Uh, you're going to take that nice little Sea to Summit backpack that you got out of the Soundwriter store right. that's in your jacket pocket, and you're going to pull it all out and load it up at the end of the day with your groceries. And so now you've got some uh, decent meat with you. So that's, I mean, I love, you know, I love meat. And uh, but to bring the actual you know refrigerated meat or non frozen meat, and I think I'm not probably the only one who doesn't have this question. But what does your camp setup look like kitchen wise? Because that would be one step further than I'd be willing to go on a motorcycling trip. I'm gonna have like a nice, and not just the jet boil that does a cup of coffee. Yeah. I've got the I've got the cooking pot, so I'll have that. I could take uh, I could buy a, a, a carton of almond milk. Sure. And pour that in, maybe a little bit of water, and then put some chicken in there, 
and uh, I could I could pack some dried mushrooms, or I can buy some at the grocery store. I could make up a nice little cream of mushroom soup that would be real. Yeah, well, I mean, tip of the cat to you. That's more effort than I'd be willing to go to out on a motorcycling trip. But uh, if you've got the time and the oh, it's it's no problem. You don't have to do it because I'm going to make it, and then you're going to wash all the dishes. When right. I'm done. <laughs> it sounds like a fair trade to me. I wouldn't have any <laughs> any problems with that. Uh, eggs, again, a tricky one. You got to have a good cooking surface, but you know, you can cook your eggs in ghee. That's true. Pretty much guaranteed. They're not going to stick to the pan. I tell you though, my go-to for eggs is always just to boil them, hard boil them. You could hard boil them. Yeah. You could put enough water in that pan. You could probably poach them. You ever seen where you, you know, I'm not talking about poaching where you put it in a a little container. Yeah. Talking about where you just break the egg right into the liquid. Into the water. Into the water, yeah. Yeah, well, that's also, too, I mean, one of those things, sometimes we talk about, you know, budget motorcycling trips. You can pick up, like, a six-pack of eggs for, like, 99 cents at night, and then in the morning, you have that ready to go, and you don't have to go and gorge on mcdonald's or something like that on the yeah, way out of town exactly. so yeah exactly yeah you could probably get some english muffins that were decent somewhere yeah you could do that too yeah heat them in, a, in the other pan or something yeah yeah and uh, of course waffles you carry a waffle maker with you when you go out don't you yeah that and a george foreman grill <laughs> <laughs> okay scratch waffles yeah. from the list all right, folks, that's uh, that's our opening segment, and uh, we are going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to have a little bit of news bites and a whole lot of calendar. On the Sound Rider Show, stick around. Support for Sound Rider and the Sound Rider Show is made possible in part by Linwood Motoplex, your gateway to motorcycling adventure in the Pacific Northwest. Choose from brands like Indian, KTM, BMW, Kawasaki, Victory, Yamaha, Can-Am, and more. Family owned and operated for over 25 years. Linwood Motoplex is your one-stop shop for fun. Hello, this is Bill Woods with Sodium Distortion Racing. You're here listening to The Sound Rider Show. Hi, I'm Dan. One of my favorite rides is Chuckanut. To Bellingham at 6 a.m. or just when the sun's coming up and there's no traffic on the road. studio here on the sound rider show can do a little combined news bites and calendar segment february was a little bit of a quiet month but we still have some nice nuggets tucked in here for you uh tom why don't we start with uh, something that you posted on twitter about maybe henderson motorcycles coming back huh yeah so what do you think that's gonna be like i have no idea when was the last time uh, a henderson was manufactured in sort of its natural state Mm, well, see, there was the Excelsior Henderson brand that came back around 1999, right? And then they disappeared in about 2001. So that would have been the last time. When when would you say that the glory days for Henderson sort of ended, though? Because I mean, in the early days, we were talking about like the early 1900s, 1910. They were building some beautiful machines. Well, right? yeah, you're quizzing me on my vintage motorcycle. I definitely am, launch. yeah. <laughs> um, I don't have the last year they, they kicked off, but I'm going to guess it was probably a near a war. And I don't I, – you got me on that. Okay. Well, but that's a it tough was, It was a long time it ago. It has been a long time, yeah. before you were born. <laughs> that would not surprise <laughs> me, certainly. I thought it was it's, – it's interesting, though, to see these old brands, uh, people hang on to them so sort of dearly and fondly in their memory that uh, continually they still have sort of cachet, brand brand uh, power. Well, yeah, but is the next group of people buying motorcycles, it, that's not that person. I mean, the people no. who remember Henderson's are dying right now. They're in old folks' homes. Well, 100%. Yeah, I don't think if you, if you polled probably 40 people who said – or people under 40 who said they had an interest in motorcycles, I don't know how many of those would even know what Henderson is. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. They'd probably think it was like Harry and the Hendersons or something. I don't know what they'd think it was. I but, think uh, uh, this new company just found their marketing person, and that's you. We're going to have a Sasquatch as the uh, that's it, yeah. <laughs> mascot now. But uh, I don't know. We'll see what happens uh, with that one. I'm, I'm I'm quizzical about it for sure. It's very interesting, and we will maybe keep an eye on it. Who knows? Though there's always a lot of talk amongst these sort of sort of deals, and uh, I don't have 
complete confidence that we'll see it come to market. But you know, more motorcycles out on the road, that's that's fine with me. So uh, you got a news bite on uh, Zero Motorcycles. Tell us about that. Yeah, so they just actually named a new uh, CEO, and his name is uh, Samuel Paschel. And I thought this was interesting in part because you ran a an article in the February issue of Soundrider talking about what are we going to do to engage new younger riders and uh, sell them all Hendersons. <laughs> sell them all Hendersons <laughs> is uh, top on the list. But I thought this was particularly interesting because the CEO. Uh, the new CEO from Zero Motorcycles previously worked at Skullcandy, which is a – I don't know. I guess I'd consider that a fairly hip headphone brand. Yeah. He also worked with Burton Snowboards and uh, Giro Sports Designs as well. Okay. So this seems to me that maybe Henderson – I mean this guy's certainly qualified. He also has a degree in engineering, but it seems to me that maybe – I said Henderson. Maybe Zero is trying to position themselves – strategically in a little bit of a different light to try to capture yeah. a younger motorcycling audience. Yeah, he might be the guy. And I was interested what you thought uh, about maybe this sort of brand development going forward for motorcycling. Do you feel like this is maybe a natural evolution of brand strategy? Yeah, this is what we need. We need somebody who's been tied into those younger right. generation markets that – uh, knows how to reach them and knows, you know, th- that guy's only going to get older, but he knows how to hire the people who yeah. have the smarts to get to the, the right audience. That's what we need. And I'm, I, I really hope that this works out. You know, Zero Motorcycles obviously isn't a huge brand, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see not just what kind of new marketing materials they come out with, but also just how they try to develop the brand because it's a changing landscape. The, uh, the allure of motorcycling is going to be much different for people under 35 than it is for people over 35. The psychographics in motorcycling right now are crazy. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing a I've seen different psychographics. I'm seeing people who go to the racetrack and that's the only place they ride a motorcycle. Yep. They're, and they tell you that it's not safe to ride a motorcycle in the street. Right. Of course, you know, then 3 days later they got a broken leg they from hit getting a hit on the track. Jump. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then you got people who don't want to go to the track, or maybe they're going to dip their feet in the water. And yeah. now you got all these people that are going to be selling electric motorcycles, and you got to get into the psyche of somebody who's thinking that a motorized motorcycle isn't safe, but it's probably okay to ride around on an electric bike, or they're doing something good for the environment. That's it, yeah. I think that's going to be a big market segment is the fact that it's maybe just more environmentally friendly. Yeah. And they're going to capture a lot of, I think, Ideally, and it'll capture a lot of younger riders based on that. But also, like you said, there's a, a still a pretty big interest in motocross, and those seem to be two opposite ends of the spectrum, but they almost connect. In motocross? Yeah. We, so in motocross, there's the Alta line of motorcycles that are electric motorcycles that are bad boy machines in motocross because as is typical with most electric bikes – uh, the torque is all over the place. Oh, yeah. It's insanity. But what I'm talking about, though, as far as how the next generation is viewing motorcycling, I think that there are less people that are inclined to use it more of as, as a sort of a lifestyle device, as you and I might be, where we talk about going out on week-long trips. It may be people who are looking for, I want to go and have this intense moment for half a day at the yeah. motocross track. Yeah. Or I want to be environment, environmentally friendly, living in the city and commuting to work on my electric motorcycle. Yep. But that in-between is, I think, moving in a different direction. And I think that a lot of the major OEMs like Honda and Suzuki and Harley-Davidson are going to have to start to get hip to that or they're going to lose their market share because less and less riders are looking – to do it in that sort of old school way. Yeah, I think what's going to have to happen for the major OEMs is that the technology is going to have to hit the point where the the motorcycle will go at least 300 if not 500 miles in a day. When we get to that point, then the big boys are going to jump in because what they don't want to do is compete against themselves on machines that actually will already deliver that for you. Yeah. But if they could come up with the electric motorcycle that gives you three to 500 miles a day, they're going to jump in and big time at that point. That's what's going to happen. Well, I mean, I'm in agreement with that, but I would say, though, I think that somebody who wants to ride their motorcycle three to 500 miles, I think that that is a 
a demographic that is shrinking. I don't think that people under 35 are as inclined to do something like that because I think it's a little too – Well, we got work to do then, don't we? We definitely have we work to do. We got work to do. That's all. But I think that it's a little too I, – I don't think that it's – you have to sort of be disengaged from everything else on a motorcycle for three to 500 miles, and I don't think that the younger generation is inclined to do that. But we can do things to get them there. Like write books like Packing Light, Packing Right, and that sort of thing. They need they need to be handheld every step of the way. They need they need to first of all they have a little bit of interest in a bike, and then maybe they want to use it as a commuter, mm-hmm. and then they need the inspiration to go to the level that you're talking about of becoming a, a, a touring rider as well as a commuter. Everybody, yeah, needs that. Well, I would like to see that certainly as somebody who is uh, sort of in that mode. I do like to travel on my motorcycle. I like to not look at my phone for an entire day. But I think less and less uh, people are inclined to feel the same way. So it'll be interesting to see how it uh, unfolds over the next couple of years. Yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll be there to help them cross the bridge. That's right. <laughs> what the heck? At thirty-five bucks a pop, right? Oh, well, you get a get a book from me that puts you out on day rides. Do whatever. You yeah, know, I'll be there. I'll be there with with products that are there to help you see your next level of your vision. So, so uh, the calendar. We got some stuff going on on the calendar this month. We definitely do coming up here in uh, March. There's still a couple of things going on as we kind of get into that initial spring season here, right? First thing I see is that we got the Cafe to Cafe Grand Tour, and what we're going to do in the next section of the show is we'll be talking about that there. That's right, because that's a Sound Rider event, and for those of you who have not heard of that yet. Yeah, and so that's that's kind of what our interview section of the show is this month. We're going to be doing an update on the Sound Rider events. Uh, but let me see here. There's uh, on March 4th, we've got the Northwest Wings Motorcycle Drill Team Western Roundup Auction Dinner. If you haven't seen <clears throat> the Northwest Wings perform, they are awesome. I know everybody knows the uh, the other group, the uh, Cossacks. Sure. But uh, these guys get on gold wings and do all these tricks and stuff on wow. these big bikes. It's pretty fun. That's pretty impressive. And so uh, you can go down for the auction and dinner, and then this is going to raise some money for the Elks Children's Therapy Program and uh, learn a little bit more about the wings. And definitely, if you ever hear of them being in an event, you want to go check them out because they're a lot of fun to watch. Sounds cool. And that's an auction and dinner. You're not actually bidding on your dinner, right? No. Okay. Let's make sure it's not a, a dinner auction. But No, you're sitting on your gold wing eating <laughs> dinner. Back to segment one, right? Bringing your hot <laughs> foods with you. So, But what else have we got going on? I'll see. Usual suspect. We've got bike night at Sub on Wednesday the 8th. Sure. Uh, okay, but now this is a big deal because we didn't get a motorcycle show in Seattle. We did shooter. not. So uh, on the 10th uh, through the 12th is the Inland Northwest Motorcycle Show and Sale and Indoor Swap Meet. That's a new addition this year. Cool. So uh, now the plan was that we were going to be there. However, due to some personal issues back here, uh, we will. I will not be. We will not be having a booth. There. Sure. So Soundwriter won't be out there. Sound but that's Rider. just out in uh, Spokane, in uh, Spokane, Washington. Was that last year when we spoke to the organizer, or was that uh, two years ago? Now? That was last year. They came down for the Portland show. Okay. And we talked to Chris down there. Nice. So. Uh, I thought we also talked to somebody on the phone. I mean, you know, we have so many episodes now. I can't remember. Well, maybe uh, that's where we talked. Yeah, about. I can't remember what we've done. But uh, doing a nice job out there, and of course, that's just a couple hours ride if you uh, get good weather too. Yeah, uh, I would. I would caution people if you're going to ride over the pass at Snoqualmie, uh, you should, uh, you know, either try to check ahead and see if they're going to be doing any avalanche blasting up there because sure. that's kind of a bummer to get stuck in that. And uh, you could get stuck in it on the way out of town or on the way back home if you're going from or to Seattle. Right. That's why I tow my timber sled with my gold wing. So there I can you go. switch it out. Just take the shortcut up yep. over the other pass. <laughs> uh, okay. On the 18th. Now, I might go to this. Um, the Fringe Motorcycle Club is having their Fringe Dirty Poker Run. And this is going to be out in the uh, Mattawa area. Cool. And so this is uh first fun run or poker run of the year that I know of. 
that's uh, going to be – I asked Norm the other day who might go with me, do you think it will be cold? Right. And this is going to be on March 18th and 19th, and they have several different courses people can ride. Uh, you can also bring ATVs and UTVs, and their their big course is like 30 miles. So, you know, 30 miles on a UTV, that's yeah. – you don't get to do that in a lot of places, but they've worked out the land usage out there, and this is happening. So if you're looking for something to, fun to do right away, that would be the one. And it does sound like a lot of fun. And again, that's just down in Mattawa. So if you're in the area, stop by and check it out. Yep. And then uh, also on March 18th is the Green Freeze event, part three. And this is going to be heading out of Hinshaw's Motorcycle Store. And uh, more information if you go to the GWTA website, which is Gold Wing Touring Association of Washington. Uh, I've got that link on our calendar page. By the way, did we go buy a calendar item that you as a listener thought should be there that's not? Well, make sure you use our Submit Your Event link at the top of the calendar page, and we'll be sure to get your event in. There are several Events that went on in February that nobody clinked them in. In fact, I, I think one of them, somebody didn't even know was going to be happening until about a week before it happened. Well, it's good, definitely, because we want this to be as robust as possible. I mean, we'll take Absolutely. anything motorcycling related that uh, is, you know, sort of friendly to everyone and uh, send them our way. Absolutely. Click the link and uh, let us know. Like the Moto Guzzi Owners Brunch on the 19th, Sunday the 19th. Always at Smarty Pants. Always the uh, third Sunday of the month down there. And you don't have to have a Moto Guzzi to go. That's right. They welcome all riders. So that's a uh, that's a great restaurant, too. I like their sandwiches down there. Yeah. Uh, so I've also been debating going to this one. This is the Chili Championships at Skagit Power Sports. And uh, everybody's invited to drop in between 11 and 2 p.m. and taste the chili and help with the judging. Um, these are always fun. And I was actually thinking, you know, I got this uh, multi-cooker. Yeah. And I've been cooking some really good stuff in it. I've uh -oh. been doing some ribs and and some sloppy joes. And I thought, mm, maybe I'm going to make a chili. I, I think know. this might be the year. A little sound rider chili, right? I might want to go do this. I think that sounds like a fun event in Skagit. They always do an awesome job with their events. Oh, yeah. Plus, it's at the end of the month, so we're probably starting to be looking at a little bit warmer weather. Um, so go on up there to a Skagit Power Sports and check it out. Have they had chili. their swap meet in February. They had like 30 tables up there. Wow. And so they're drawing a crowd. For sales. So that means you probably get a lot of chili here anyway. Well, yeah, and I've done these chili things where I go in and judge them, and I'm thinking, I might be the point with my chili cooking. I'm ready to participate as a contestant. Yeah. How many at these chili cook-offs, how many gas-gas jokes are made? Any? Hey, you know, they sell gas-gas at Skagit. Right. So, See? Seems like a natural transition. Yeah. Then. You could win a gas-gas T-shirt. That's that's how they should do it. See, that's why you turn into the Sound Rider Show because these are the kind of tips you can't get anywhere else. That's right. <laughs> All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be discussing uh, things that are coming up on the Sound Rider events this summer. Support for Sound Rider and the Sound Rider Show is made possible in part by. Skagit Power Sports, where you'll find one of the largest selections of new and used motorcycles, apparel, and gear in the North Sound. Skagit Power Sports provides a relaxed atmosphere and no-pressure sales staff to get you into your next bike simply and quickly. And that's why they are consistently voted the top dealer in the Pacific Northwest by Sound Riders year after year. Visit them in Burlington today or find them online at SkagitPowerSports.com. Hey everybody, this is Lee from Racer Gloves USA, and you're listening to The Sound Rider Show. Hi, I'm Mark from Seattle. I ride an R12 GS, and I like to ride around Mount St. Helens. Racing ahead on the Sound Rider Show, and if you are looking for something to do coming up over the next couple of months, I mean, if you want to take your motorcycle out and you really, really want to have a good time, well, this is a segment you need to stick around for because we're talking Sound Rider events, we're talking road trip, we're talking Cafe to Cafe, Rally in the Gorge, Sasquatch, 
All of that is coming up in the next couple of months. And somehow, with all that planning to do, we're lucky enough to have Tom here to, to still talk about the events because he should be out looking at maps and uh, <laughs> yeah. pre-planning and that kind of thing. But Tom, let's uh, let's start with Cafe to Cafe. Okay, what's, what's going on there? So uh, Cafe to Cafe, all the um, pre-registered, everybody who pre-registered for Cafe to Cafe, all the packets went out last Friday. So uh, by the time you hear this, you probably already got your packet and you know what's going on. There are uh, 18 cafes this year. There are the front nine and there are the back nine. Cool. And all you have to do is ride either all front nine locations or all back nine locations in order to get your uh, certificate of completion. Uh, If you do all 18, I'm going to have something extra special for you. And – if you did all 18 and you bought something at every one, that's how you get the bonus points. Right. Uh, I probably even have something even more extra special for you. Well, you got to like that. And I tell you what, we've already been uh, having a lot of registrations roll in. A uh, lot. Uh, yeah. So it's, It was a record this year. Which we is had, awesome. And it's had, still early. We had about 70 people signed up in advance. That's fantastic. So make sure that uh, you say hello if you see anybody else posing with their uh, cafe to cafe uh, signage out in front of one of these restaurants. Um, but it sounds like a great time. I mean, I think it's a great design to have with the front nine and the back nine. Yeah. Um, at the at the dinner last year in October, um, some people were saying they wanted to do more locations. Some people were saying they wanted to do less. Sure. So I thought, well, why don't we give them the option of either or? Right. So. And that, that's the, one of my favorite things about Cafe to Cafe. I think it's such a sort of a great event because it is self-paced, right? Like you can do it when you have time. You can yeah. do it when you want to do it. You, you can do it anytime between now and September. 30th. Right. So you can kind of plug them into whatever other adventures you have going on. Uh, we have other events going on where some of the locations are in the same area, like uh, with the road trip tour, which we'll talk more about in a minute. There's a location down – there's several locations on that route. Awesome. Um, with, uh, with the rally in the gorge, there's always at least one, if not more, locations down in the gorge. And uh, with Sasquatch, same thing. So yeah, and really, you won't have uh, more fun for thirty nine bucks, right? No. Now, of course, there are other grand tours that you could do in the, in the Pacific Northwest. We're not the only one, sure. But uh, for thirty nine bucks, you get to find out about a lot of nice restaurants. And uh, otherwise, you might just be going. Well, they, they don't have the Dam Tour now. Did you know that? Yeah, we talked a little bit about that. What uh, the Dam Tour was pretty popular for quite a few years. So, right? Yeah, it was, and uh, that was that was put together by Steve Folkstead, the guy who does the uh, Hell's Canyon Motorcycle Rally. Sure. And uh, it was very popular, and then he handed it off. Uh, he kind of closed it down for a couple of years, and then somebody else picked it up, and they sort of took the money and ran, and um, well, it was dead in the water again. So I uh, don't think we got one going on this year, but there again, see, when you sign up for that, what do you get? You get a list of like 15 dams. Right. No food. I would much rather ride uh, from restaurant to restaurant myself. Not that at the uh, dam tour is not a cool idea, but – you know, get out there and enjoy life. That's what motorcycling is about, and food is a great way to do that. Yeah, and there's there's always the grand tours where they want you to go to you know certain cities, and then you take your picture in front of a post office. Right. But, you know what can you eat at a post office? Uh, a high fiber diet, mostly paper. <laughs> I think. I don't even think they have vending machines at the post office. Uh, I don't think they do, unless you want to buy stamps. You know, in a lot of these actually towns that uh, you know out here in the Pacific Northwest, the post office is open for like what two hours a day too. Some of these small towns. Yeah, that's so. true. <laughs> but you know, there's no reason why if you wanted to do like the post office grand tour or something like that, you couldn't combine together with the cafe to cafe all your locations. Yeah, and then go and play two grand tours at once. That's right. So. And just make sure you quit your job before then you don't have to worry about it. And the service department at your dealer encourages you to think like that right (laughs) well let's talk about uh maybe some of the other events too you want to talk road trip here what's going on with that so road trip uh we've got a route and it's pretty cool. We're going to start off over in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Oh, I love Coeur d'Alene. We're going to kick it off with what we call a loop day. And in a loop day, you actually uh, you come back to the same place you started that day, which means that if you're camping or if you're staying in a hotel motel, you don't have to pack up that day. You just uh, you go out, you ride a loop, you come back, and then we do another evening in town somewhere. 
and uh and then the next day we take off and so we're going to take off then on uh so so Tuesday or Monday's the loop day let's uh let's before we get into the details let's just do a little clarifying here because cafe to cafe is a little more open ended that's self paced but road trip Road trip's an actual tour. That's an actual and tour. And you're moving every day, right. or typically every day on the tour. And it lasts for how long? And it goes for five days. So okay. it'll be Monday through Friday. Just in and case anyone's not aware. during the month of May. Right. So coming up in just a little bit. So you're starting out in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. You pitch your tent. You've got a loop day, so you've got a little late, uh, a day. You don't have to kinda. pitch a tent. You can, sure. stay, at a, you can st- stay at a five-star motel. Sure. You, you offload your gear anyway. You know so five-star you... motels? I love them. <laughs> That's the way to. That's no, the way to motorcycle. There are. There, I think there is a five star hotel in Coeur d'Alene. I would imagine so one with the golf course. It's right on the lake. Right. And then and then like the eighteenth hole is out in the water. You have to actually shoot your ball out to uh, the hole in the water. Is there a bridge to get there though? Once you, you take land a on boat there? over, you take a boat over. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Interesting and stuff. Not, yeah. Not, not no Donald Trump stuff. I'm talking about. Right. Like, it's somebody else's idea. But. Well, uh, Donald Trump has one of those, but there's a wall around the green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So take me to day two, though, because day one we make okay. the loop and then we. So then uh, day two, we're going to head down to McCall, Idaho, and uh, we're not taking all the 95 to get down there. We've got a lot of back road stuff going on. We've right. got a museum every day on this trip. So Monday, we've got a museum that's over near Coeur d'Alene that we're going to be hitting. If Great. you don't have to go to it, if you don't want to, sure. it's, an all, it's all optional. Uh, we'll recommend places to eat. We'll tell you where we're going to be eating. Cool. You can go to wherever you want to eat, but we'll have all this ready for you in advance. Um, you book your own rooms, so you're not – you know this is not like a $3,000 tour. This no. is – you're paying us for all our recommendations, for our routing, for uh, – we have cartage, so we'll take the people's luggage in the car so we don't have to have all this excess weight on the bike if they don't want to. Right. And so, uh, this, yeah, that second day, Tuesday, uh, we'll be heading down to McCall, and we've got a really cool uh, museum off in the middle of nowhere in Idaho that we're going to be going to. Fun. And uh, all I can tell you is it has probably the world's largest collection of a certain type of business machine. Mm. In the middle of nowhere. I think if we listen back to uh, some episodes of the previous year, you might know what that is. I might have talked about it. I think we may have mentioned it, but we'll leave it as a secret. Not right now. Uh, so then we'll go down there, and then on uh, day three, we're going to be leaving out of McCall and doing some hooky-hooing around and head up uh, over – Toward Hell's Canyon, and we're going to wind up for the evening in Pendleton, Oregon. And again, got a uh, got a museum along the way you can hit there. Uh, day four, we are going to go to from Pendleton. We're going to go to Warm Springs, up to the Kanita Reservation. And my recommendation is you either get a room at the hotel at Kanita sure. or you do something a little more adventuresome and you rent a teepee. Oh, cool. They have a teepee's down there, huh? Yeah, they got teepees there. You just bring your sleeping bag in and all your stuff and you can sleep in a teepee. They put, you know, you can put like, I don't know, two to four people in a teepee. Right. So you can stack up if you've got a few other people that you're going to be taking the tour with. Yeah. They have, I, as I recall, they have like cots in the teepee. So you're not going to be sleeping on the ground. That makes sense. It gets you up off the ground, but right. you're not getting bedding and all that in there. You're just going to be up off the ground in your teepee. So bring your sleeping bag. Now, aren't there, there are actual in Warm Springs, there's some hot springs around there too right there are there's yeah. a there's a there's a natural hot spring that you don't want to get into because it's like it's eh, a boiling 150 degrees sure. or something but so what they do is they feed it all over to the pool area and they have some really nice hot tubs oh cool and then they also heat the pool so you're you're swimming in either the mineral water in the hot tub or in the swimming pool it's kind of like bonneville hot springs right and uh, very nice facility, well kept, very clean. Uh, four different restaurants on site. Man, that will recharge or the three. batteries, huh? Yeah. Well, motorcycling riding, a night in a teepee, some hot springs. Like, what yeah. else could you ask for? Yeah, that sounds great, be a man. Lot of fun. That sounds great. So uh, that's that's that. And then on uh, Friday, we'll sort of like start to head towards Seattle. And we have one more museum to hit. Anybody wants to hit it, and we'll have lunch somewhere and sort of have our final meal together. Cool. And then uh, you got Friday, Saturday, Sunday to get back home to wherever you live so you can extend your, your trip out there. Right. So that's a great point, too, because you don't have to be in Seattle to join the trip if you're sort of on the route somewhere, right? You can come yeah. in midway. 
and also this is sort of a very motorcycle inclusive too. It doesn't you don't have to be on like you know a GS twelve hundred. It's not a dual sport oh, no. event. It's not a Harley event. It's not a Goldwing event. Like Bring, take run what you run. Right. Just make sure it runs the whole time. We right. don't have to put you back together anywhere. Um, and so, yeah, so that's, that's the road trip tour. That sounds awesome, man. Well, it's, and that's every year. It's always uh, interesting to see what, uh, you know, you're going to come up with for road trip, but this sounds like a particular great one. So, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that coming in May, right? Yeah. And, uh, just, uh, speaking of warm springs, maybe just a little across the map from there. Uh, and later in August, we've got the rally in the gorge. That's right. Right. So what's on tap for this year's rally? So uh, my, apologies to, my apologies to all for not getting a rally newsletter out sooner. But uh, there's been a lot of stuff that's been bubbling, but I couldn't really tell anybody about it yet. Sure. And now I can finally tell you one of the, one of the big things that's happening at the rally in the gorge this summer is that the rally in the gorge is going to be a part of AMA's new Gypsy Tour series. Awesome. So let's dive into that. What's the Gypsy Series So what's tour? a Gypsy Tour? Yeah. That's where it all begins. Uh, way, way back in the early days of motorcycling, we're talking in the teens of the 1900s. Sure. Um, AMA, which was formerly known as another entity at that time, started up these national tours. And uh, what it was was they would have an event in a city somewhere, but they called it a Gypsy Tour. The reason they called it a gypsy tour is because to get from where you lived to get to that event three days away, you basically lived like a gypsy every night. You went into somewhere, you threw your sleeping bag down in the forest and your group of 20 people that were on their way out there and maybe there was a a support vehicle, kind of a caravan type of thing. Sure. And so everybody was living like gypsies to and from the actual rally event. That's cool. So they called it a gypsy tour. And those kind of went away at the early 60s was when you started seeing the end of the gypsy tours. But people kept rallies going the whole time, and and this was still kind of happening. It just wasn't ever called a gypsy tour anymore. So uh, 50, 60 years later now, we're reviving the term gypsy tour. I like it. And uh, we are included with, I believe they told me, around 20 other Groups that are having that are going to be into this series this year. There'll be a big article coming in the AMA magazine, probably in the May issue. Um, but we're tied into that. We're getting all our information to them now, sending them logos and all that type of stuff. Awesome. But uh, we're excited to be a part of it, and we're excited to be a part of that history because we've we've known about that history for a long time, and uh, it's nice to see them reviving it. And and kind of you know get into younger people yeah. hip to what what was going on years ago. Well, I'm stoked to hear this. I think this is a terrific idea. But I'm I'm just I'm envisioning here that we have a map of the United States that the AMA provides, and then there's these events that are sort of all over the country. Mm-hmm. And the idea is, hey, you know, get some friends together, be a gypsy for a few days, ride to these events. And uh, celebrate the uh, the love that is motorcycling. Yeah, or if you're a retired Microsoft millionaire, you just get on your bike <laughs> on June first, and you just keep bing, bing, bing. Yeah, keep see them all. Uh, five star hotels along the way, right? Five star motels. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the finest of motels. Yeah. Well, that sounds. I mean, that sounds really great, and uh, I'm really excited because last year we had a great rally, we had a great turnout, and I hope to see uh, many, many more people there this year. Is there anything else? That- There's more. Yeah, yeah, let's see yeah, what else is going more, on. Yeah. I got two more things at right. least. Um, I just have three more things. Okay, so a second thing is that uh, Jesse Murphy with Truett Motorcycle Education yeah. has come up with what the Mary Hill Clinic is going to be this year. Great. Uh, it's going to be focused on downhill cornering. Something a lot of people would like to get better at. Absolutely, especially here in these mountainous states. That's a huge yeah. skill. And it's a perfect road to learn it on. Yes, it is. So that'll be the focus of that. That'll be the three-hour clinic in the morning. Uh, we will be having the road open again in the afternoon. And uh, so that's that's the news on that clinic. Now, I also have information coming out very soon uh, in the next newsletter, which should be out the first week of March, and that is that uh, Jason and Whitney at Dirt Bike Safety Training sure. are going to be uh, doing a clinics again this year, ladies' clinic on Thursday, Great. and then a uh, open to everybody clinic. I think that's on Saturday, so that'll be going on. Uh, and lastly, 
Uh, I've been just really not happy with what's happened with on-site food service, sure. other than the meals that we already provide. Right. That Thursday dinner is a killer thing. The yep. Sunday breakfast is a killer thing. And so I'm taking the bull by the horns this year. Cool. And we are running the food service all rally long on-site. So there will be food every day available for people who want it. And uh, if you don't want it, you can go off-site and get it. But we're going to have stuff there every, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner every day. Uh, One way or another, you'll be able to get food on-site. And because it's me running it, I'm not going to be feeding you junk. Junk, right. Or only offering you burritos and enchiladas. Right. Or uh, cream of mushroom soup, and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's not happening. Uh, you know, if I'm going to serve you fruit, or or like a like I've got a really nice uh, fruit, but you know, kind of a, a compote, yeah, not really a compote, but it's just a, a blend of fruit, sure. And I'll have that every day Minaj, for you, right? and it's going to be awesome. Or a melange, what do they call that? Yeah, I think a, that's it. Yeah, there's a term out there. A melange a trois. Yeah, fruit, I was going to say, yeah. I think I called it a menage, but. Well, that's exciting to hear, though, because you're right. It is a challenge to have uh, either a caterer or a food truck or something like that because you can't really provide the variety because they're usually pretty targeted. And it's also kind of hard for them to judge um, you know, exactly the traffic of how many people are going to be having food at any one time. So take yeah. control of it, right? And they they, they want to come out making millions of dollars. And the fact is with yeah. the, you know, we usually have two, 300 people at the rally. So you're not going to make a million of dollars if you're a caterer right. or a, a food service. And uh, and certainly the ones we've had the last couple of years have done zero in the world of marketing. Yep. Uh, I mean, you know, last summer we had the guys there, and they were selling alcohol, and nobody was even buying alcohol sure. from them. So I know what's going on. Everybody's buying their own alcohol off-site, yeah. bringing it on, and that's fine, you know. So, uh, yeah, it's going to be BYOB like it's been. Sure. And, uh, and we are going to have food there for people if they want it. And uh, whatever they don't eat, you guys will get for a staff meal. Yeah, well, I'd like to hear that, certainly. I'll be down there. Scarfing. If they eat it all, I right. don't know what yeah. we're going to do with you guys. We'll be left out in the cold, but uh, that's great to hear. It sounds like it's going to be another great year at the rally. I look forward to the end of August each and every year, and uh, I hope to see many, many, many of the listeners down there this year as well. So as we transition into the last event we're going to talk about, yeah. what I want to mention here is that it is only March, yep. and there's a lot of snow on the ground, and we have no idea what's going on with the roads underneath. Now, by the by the time we get to the rally, we're going to know, and we'll be able to create the routes we need to create. That's true. However, unfortunately, because of nature this year, uh, there, there's probably not going to be a Sasquatch tour. Okay. Because we like to run the Sasquatch tour at the end of June so that people can get on with things like maybe they want to do the Leavenworth rally right. later or and then we're busy doing the BMW rally in July yep. and we've got uh road trip, you know, ahead of that. But um there's so much going on, there's no way that we can get any pre-riding in and come up with a quality route this year and it's just the nature of the nature. Yeah, well, again, Sasquatch remains elusive, so this is the year that uh, you can't find them out there. But you know what? I think it's better to maybe put it on hold if you can't deliver a high-quality trip than yeah. to uh, you know patch something together where we're going from Tacoma to Spanaway and back to Seattle, you know? I mean, I may take a look at the Almanac for September, and then maybe sure. I'll put something on it. in yeah. September, but there's definitely not going to be a, a June Sasquatch tour this year. Okay. Well, so. we'll keep an eye on that because September, there still holds out some hope, but... Uh, Outside of that, there's so much to do anyway. We talk about just our events here that we've got going on at Soundrider, and if it's going to be a mild summer, you know, maybe that will give us uh, give some riders a chance to get out into some of those warmer areas like southern Idaho and uh, the high desert in eastern Oregon, in eastern Oregon as well. So yeah. lots of good stuff to check out. All righty, let's uh, take a little break here, and when we come back, we got some tips and tricks. Support for the Soundrider Show is provided in part by. The Rally in the Gorge. Are you ready to go beyond the main roads? Since 2003, the Rally in the Gorge has introduced riders intimately to the awesome secondary and tertiary roads in the Columbia River Gorge National Scenic Area. With programs for dual sport, adventure, sport touring, and sport bike enthusiasts, this is the rally you'll want to return to again and again. For more information, visit soundrider.com slash rally. Hi, my name is Russ. I'm with Trail Tale, and welcome to the Soundrider Show. Hi, my name is Steve. I live in Edmonds. 
And one of my favorite places to ride on my GS adventure is up the Pyramid Pass. show here we always like to <laughs> we always like to talk about uh, some tips and tricks some things uh, that you can maybe put into the actionable item list and uh, get out there and try out yourself here so uh, why don't we get right to it Tom I think you've got something uh, to talk about in regards to uh, maybe eyesight huh yeah yeah what do you always got? Uh, looking at new eyewear you know sure always intrigued with it and uh one of the things I learned a long time ago when I first started to carry eyewear in the online store was uh, polarized lenses mm. are not your friend. Interesting. When it comes to motorcycling. Why is that? Well, there's several reasons why. Um, the first one is, have you ever looked at the car radio when you're driving a car with polarized lenses on a di- or any kind of digital readout? It can be a little tough to see. Yeah, it's a little tough to read. Yeah. Okay. Now, that gets worse if there's a pool of oil in the, in the road ahead. All right. Because the polarized lens is going to take the glare off of that, so mm. you're never going to get an indication that that pool of oil is up there. That's an excellent point. I never thought about that. You're right, though. Your eye is not going to yeah. pick up that reflection. Right. So now it just looks like maybe some water or you don't even see it maybe. Yeah. 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 Or it might look like somebody fixed a pothole, which, right. which we know isn't, doesn't happen very often. Don't have to worry but, about that in Washington. But uh, so when you're selecting eyewear to wear on the motorcycle, I highly recommend you don't, uh, don't do the polarized. Oh, you know, the other thing is, thinking of it, uh, chromatic lenses, mm-hmm. photochromatic lenses, uh, they don't operate under UV 400. They can't function. Interesting. They can't do their their light changing capabilities. So these are you're talking about like the prescription glasses where if you walk outside and it's sunny that they go dark. Is that yeah. what you're talking about? Yeah. yeah, because it's a UV that causes them to do that. Right. So if it's and a, so if you have a, a most helmets that have a face shield, right. are going to have a UV 400 coated face shield. Okay. Uh, your car windshield has a UV 400 coating. In it. Yep. So uh, that's not going to work either. So just a regular smoke lens or a nice driver lens for a cloudy day right? or a yellow lens when you're in the rain and the fog. Always nice to have. That's the way to go. But the good news is is that if you find yourself out on the road without sunglasses, I mean, you can go into the nearest gas station and pick up a $5 pair because it's just going to be a tinted lens, right? Yeah. And you don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So. Or you can order it online from Soundwriter, and it'll be waiting for you in the next town. That's right. Store. We'll deliver it by a moto drone. Yeah. <laughs> Coming soon <laughs> from Amazon.com and Soundwriter. So what do uh, you got for a tip? That's an excellent tip that you had uh, this month. My tip is to evaluate your sleeping surface. So I was looking in uh, one of the outdoor magazines, and somebody just came out with a uh, – it's for backpacking, but it's – sort of like a self-inflating air mattress. I think it has foam inside, but it's like four inches thick. Yeah. And uh, I was thinking about this compared to my ultralight single inflatable air mattress that I use to backpack, that I use to tour on my motorcycle with. And is that like a half inch thick? It's not very thick. doesn't All have right. a lot of R value, but either that, it's just, it's air filled, so it's not super comfortable. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to think, you know what? This four inch thick mattress that might be pretty nice on a cool evening in the Oregon mountains where it's about 40 degrees and uh, I'm looking at not a lot of sleep. I think I'd like to get good quality sleep. So whatever you're using, it might be time just to see what else is out there because uh, there's no rule that says you can't be comfortable when you're out on your motorcycle. And that is that, that does take air on. When it you does. open up the valve, it, yes. it'll, it, you, either, you either push air into it That's using right. a, some sort of inflation device or – yeah. So it's actually uh, the foam inside as it expands. Right. Some of them are foam. Some yeah. of them have a synthetic product in there that causes insulation to occur. Right. Um, well, I learned a little interesting thing about those the other day. Yeah. Uh, don't don't let them sit in the sunlight too long, because of the ceiling, the way they're sealed. Sure. If they get too much heat on them, 
that will break up. And then your $200 inflatable yeah. air mattress is no good after yeah. 18 months. I mean, we months, sell some so. nice X-Ped mattresses yeah. in the store, but I would highly recommend you don't let that thing get any direct sunlight on it. It happened on one of the inflation devices that I use. Oh. Uh, it got left out in the sun at the rally last summer, and when I went to use it the other day, it was like – No good, huh? <laughs> it was all in pieces. Yeah. Well, there's nothing worse than uh, you know you infl- after a long day of riding or a long day of backpacking, you unroll the air mattress – and you see that it's not holding air, like that'll just devastate you. We have to sleep on the ground. Hey, how about a bonus tip? Okay, let's check get it. that puppy out before you leave home, <laughs> and make sure that the cats haven't put a hole. Well, I've in done it that too, or anything yeah. like that. Sometimes though, it's just the natural wear and tear. I've had a few miserable nights like that where you're sleeping on rocks and tree roots and that kind of thing. But that's my tip for this month, anyway. Just to Good evaluate one. your sleeping surface. Um, if you're going to be out camping a lot, you might as well be comfortable, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I always like these new technology air mats over the yeah, old school things. Definitely. So Yeah, the old foam pad that you take with you on the Appalachian yeah. Trail. You know what? I actually tried to find one of those blue Thermalite pads, yeah. and uh, they don't even sell them anymore at REI. Really? I tried because I wanted to use it for a sitting pad. Well, that would be a good idea. But they don't have them. Hmm. So now you got to go down to like Joanne Fabrics or something, and maybe you craft go dig own. around at Salvation Army and <laughs> get dirty. Yeah, I think I'll pass on the used sleeping <laughs> mat. But that's that's next month's tip. All pass right, on the folks. used sleeping mat. That's our March show for you, 2017. Yeah, number 1703. That's it. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. We hope we see you out on the road soon. Oh, you know, um, yeah. I have one more thing I was going to talk about. Sure, let's get into it. Uh, I'm thinking April 1st. Because it's a Saturday, Mm -hmm. uh, we sort of have a a tradition of inviting people out to come out as they want to to the Wild Horse Wind Farm on Saturday, April 1st. Mm -hmm. And we're going to try to get out there. We'll do group shots up at the visitor center uh, every hour on the hour at 11, 12, and 1. Okay. Uh, there won't be anything fancy going on like we've done this before where we've done – had different presenters and stuff like that. But it's just a way where east meets west. People can come from Tri-Cities. People come over from Seattle. Cool. And everybody just – first ride of the year for a lot of people. Right. So uh, come join us at that. And uh, otherwise, come join us on Cafe to Cafe or Road Trip soon. Yeah. Or sign up for the rally and uh, we'll see you out on the road. That's right. Or send us an email and say hello. And don't ride like my mother. And don't ride like my mother either. Thank you for liking us on iTunes. Keep that up, and we'll see you next month in April. The Sound Rider Show was made possible by today's sponsors and the patience of everyone else involved, which is not to say we're doctors. Reproduction of this program in part or in whole is not legal without the express written consent of the podcast owner. But please be sure to share the link with all your Facebook friends. This program is a production of Mixed Media. The content and views of today's guests do not necessarily reflect the opinions of any major media conglomerate anywhere else in the world, including CBS, NBC, ABC, MotoGP, the BBC, PBS, NPR, the Discovery Network, or the Cartoon Channel. See you next time on The Sound Rider Show.